Well, we are quickly coming to the end of Paul's letter to the Colossians. And uh, today, he continues his uh, admonition for us to be salt in the world. All right, so last week we looked at this. He said, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. So we talked about the wise walk. How, how do we uh, portray Christ through our lives as we live and walk in the world? Okay? And then he assumes at some point that as we live out the Christian life, we're going to have some conversations with people about Christ. So he says this, let your speech always be gracious. That's point one. Seasoned with salt, point two, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's point three. All right. So we're going to talk about being salt in our conversation. So um, let me ask you this. What is the Bible's church growth plan? I think if you were to ask the average Christian, maybe even the average pastor, what's your plan to grow the church? They might use the word seeker sensitivity. Uh, They would say you need to be culturally relevant. You need to be um, concerned with your branding and your image management. Okay, a lot of marketing terms. There's the church growth plan right there. There it is. There's nothing about buildings. There's nothing about uh, advertising. Uh, It's all about individual Christians living gracious lives among unbelievers so they notice a difference. And then when they ask you, what's up with you? Why are you so different? than everybody else, you have an answer. It's called the gospel. You share the gospel with them. Oh, and you can invite them to church, too. That's the biblical plan. Okay? Man's plan is market-driven. God's plan is person-to-person-driven. I think we've become so accustomed to the market-driven plan that there are people who evaluate a church and they go, well, you should do this, this, and this because that's what Walmart does. Well, here's what you do. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. It's about our lives being transformed our speech being gracious, person-to-person transformation, okay? I've heard statistics as high as 95% of Christians never once sharing the gospel with anyone, okay? Might our lives and our hearts and our words betray 
our message. Our message is about grace. Are our words and our lives transformed by grace? Remember uh, the survey we talked about last week where uh, over a thousand non-Christians were interviewed and asked about uh, their perception of Christians. And the, the number one perception was this. Christians are against more things than they're for. And one guy said, it just seems to me that Christians are mad at the world and mad at each other. They're so negative that they seem unhappy. I have no desire to be like them and stay upset all the time. Now, we, we also discovered that um, 95% of non-Christians don't have a problem with Christians. They want to know more about Christianity, um, but they have a problem with the negative, grouchy disposition that we can give off. So, let's look at each phrase of today's verse. All right, the first phrase is this. Let your speech always be gracious. So, if you look up the word gracious in the dictionary, there's my picture. No. Um, <laughs> hey, it's not that funny. <laughs> look up the word gracious in the dictionary. It says this, courteous, kind, and pleasant. Courteous, kind, and pleasant. Would you say that your life and your words and your demeanor are characterized by the words courteous, kind, and pleasant? If not, then stop right there. We don't need a course on evangelism. We don't need to take the Ray Comfort course. We don't need to take the uh, how to share the gospel course, because it's not going to do you any good. We need to be gracious before we talk about the gospel of grace. Right? And Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So an ungracious tongue is just a reflection of an ungracious heart that hasn't been fully transformed by grace, okay? So um, the, the positive words would be courteous, kind, and pleasant. Some things you want to avoid. Gossip, sarcasm, and criticalness, okay? Gossip, sarcasm, and criticalness. You know, um, let's talk about gossip for a second. When a Christian participates in gossip. And by the way, you can be the initiator of the gossip, but you can also just be the receiver of the gossip, or you're, you're, you're hearing it, you're letting the person gossip. When you are with somebody else and you participate in gossip, you know what that communicates to them? That you're unsafe. Because if you'll gossip about someone else, how do they know that you won't gossip about them? So by participating in it, you may as well just put a little badge on that says, I am an unsafe conversationalist. Okay? What about sarcasm? Okay? Um, 
what does that communicate? This person is unsafe. Again, if you're sarcastic about the boss behind his back to your coworker, the coworker thinks, what prevents him from being sarcastic about me behind my back? Criticalness. You know what criticalness communicates? This person is unsafe. If they're that negative and critical about others, about the business, about the church, about this, about that, how do I know they're, they're, they're not that way about me? This person is unsafe. Okay? So, um, how, how do you preach this? I, I just think some of us need to have an Isaiah experience where we go into the temple and we fall before the Lord and we say, I am a person of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. I am undone. Lord, cleanse me. Because we're wasting our lives if we're not communicating the gospel. And one reason we're not communicating the gospel in our conversation is because of our unclean lips. Right? So, Point one, gracious. Gracious speech comes from a gracious heart which has to be transformed by the Lord. Second phrase, seasoned with salt. Now, last week I mentioned that there's a question about what Jesus is getting at when he says you're the salt of the earth. And Uh, commentators kind of struggle between uh, salt being a preservative or salt being a flavor enhancer. Now, whatever Jesus meant in the Sermon on the Mount, I think Paul here is clearly going with the idea of a potent flavor enhancer, okay? Because you are seasoning your conversation with salt, Seasoning is the idea of flavor enhancement, okay? So here, let's talk about the concept of of a potent flavor enhancer. I think this is saying when you talk about the things of God, be interesting. Jesus died on the cross, paid for my sins, I'm not going to hell anymore, come join me. No. Be interesting. Now, some people say, well, I'm just not an interesting person. All right. Um, can I suggest two things if you say I'm just not an interesting person? All right. One, don't focus on being interesting. Focus on the Holy Spirit producing fruit in your life. Okay? If you really are living out the fruit of the Spirit, you can't help but be an interesting person. You know, if you are a loving, joyful, at peace person who's patient and kind and good and gentle toward others, 
You may not be the most humorous person. You may not be the most witty person, but you're going to be an interesting person. Love, joy, peace. So rather than saying, hey, I'm going to imitate somebody whose personality that I'm not, that's not going to work. Okay? Don't, don't, don't do a personality do-over. Be who God made you to be, but have the Holy Spirit flow through you, and you'll be interesting. Okay? Second thing, when it comes to this, this idea of being interesting, actually listen to people when you're talking with them. Actually listen and care about people. You know, they've done surveys on what makes um, attractive people. I don't mean physically attractive. I mean personality attractive. What makes attractive people attractive? Number one thing, they actually listen to others when you're talking with them. Okay? So um, that could change your whole world. Be filled with the Spirit. Listen to people. You know, you can even, you can be so uh, desirous to get the gospel into a conversation that you're really not listening to somebody. Just listen and interact and show them that you care and God will open up an opportunity for you to share the gospel if it's time to share the gospel. Okay? So that's, that's the idea of, of flavor But now let me focus on the idea of salt, spiritual salt, being potent or or bold, okay? (laughs) The idea here is that we are to graciously yet boldly try to introduce, sprinkle spiritual things into our conversation. Okay, I, I call it throwing out bait to see if, see if they're hungry for spiritual things. Not, not in an obnoxious way. You ever been around those obnoxious Christians who it's just, you know, now that I've got you gathered here for the Super Bowl, let's turn it off and I'd like to share my testimony. Shut up. Turn the game back on. Right? There's a time and a place. Okay, But can you graciously introduce spiritual things into your conversation. How do you do it? Well, um, how about this? You're having a conversation and you mention that somebody from church has the same car. Somebody from church, you know, is going through the same experience. And now... You haven't even come out of the closet, <laughs> but you've, you've cracked the closet door open that you're one of them, churchgoers. See how that goes, okay? Or, or um, you know, mention a friend from church. Mention an illustration that you heard in a sermon. Could have been a Pastor Brian sermon. Could have been a on-the-radio sermon. Could have been a, uh, the Chris Fabery chat show where they interviewed somebody. Could be a Christian book you're reading. How about 
quoting, not in a preachy way, but just quoting something in the Bible. You know, the Bible had something to say about that. I was reading the other day where uh, I think it was in 2 Thessalonians, and, and you share you know, a, a verse from the Bible. It's, now, that may be like a bomb. You know, it's, they may say, I'm done, okay? But, but you're, you're throwing out little pieces of bait to see if they're going to nibble at it, okay? Now, um, I think part of this whole thing is you're throwing out bait and you're, you're, uh, you're reading, okay? And this, this is where I think the Holy Spirit does give you opportunities and there are other times when you're supposed to pull back and not. Like the other day, I'm, I'm walking, I'm, I went up for my run, and usually when I'm done, I'm walking down by the, the river, and if a bird doesn't attack me or a dog doesn't attack me, I'll actually talk to the people. And uh, the other day, there was a guy standing there with his fishing pole on the bridge. And I, here, here was my brilliant move. Any luck? He said, nope. And I started to walk away. And he said, they're all hiding under the ice. I go, Lord, do you want me to talk to him? Yeah. So I went over to him. I go, so they're hiding under the ice, are they? I go, well, the ice is melting. Goes, yep, they're hiding under the ice. And uh, then I said, isn't it weird, though, that there's just that little thing of ice and the rest is melting? It's like 60 degrees out here. Yep, that's weird. <laughs> so I almost had him to the Lord right there. Okay. <laughs> so, so I tried this. I said, yeah, this weather kind of makes me wonder if there's something cosmic going on. And he goes, oh, yeah, there's something cosmic going on. Okay. Now, here's where I, I was ready to, to turn it and go, so speaking of cosmic things, are you ready to meet your maker? I was going to go there, okay? And I just, I, maybe call it laziness, call it fear. I just felt like God said, don't. So I said, hey, good luck. And I, I went, I'll, I'll see him again. Okay, but, but I had the plan, I had the game plan of how to turn it to spiritual things, but I just didn't sense the Holy Spirit was saying that, that this is a fish who's ready to take the bait. But do you have the plan in mind? Okay, so, so, so throw out bait, don't be obnoxious, but don't be afraid to mention spiritual things. See where it goes. Now, of course, where you're working toward is, and I say this whenever I can, can I ask you a question that I've asked a lot of people? And you know, my question is this. If you were to die today and stand before God and God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And most people say, well, you're a pretty good person. Come on in. And I tell them they're not good enough. And then we talk about the gospel. Okay, that's where we're headed. But that leads us now into uh, point number three. So that, so you're, 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 you're seasoning your conversation with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, here is where, okay, I, I love apologetics. Apologetics is 
defending the Christian faith. So here I was going to launch into uh, a, a bunch of stuff on apologetics, how to defend the truth of Christianity, and uh, how do we defend that the Bible is inerrant, and um, how, what about Christ being the only way. And, but you know what? And I, I may do that when we're done with Colossians. I may come back and do some stuff on apologetics, okay? But I think the first question that we need to be able to answer is, so what is it you believe? Or you mentioned the word gospel. What, what is the gospel? Okay, I, I think one, one reason we may not share the gospel is we don't know how. So here's what I want to do. In the time that remains, I want to give you five tools, call them tools, to share the gospel. Okay? Um, and you can use these different tools in different situations. R- read the person, read the situation, be in tune with the Holy Spirit. But these are kind of my five go-to tools that I use all the time to try to share the gospel. So let's say you're, you're having a conversation with somebody. You've thrown out some spiritual seed. You've mentioned church, and they, they, they bite. And they say, so you go to church. Where do you go? Tell me, what do you believe? What is this gospel you believe? So the first one would be the simple do-done tool. What's that? The concept here is you explain to them this. Well, here's the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is spelled D-O, do. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. Okay? Every world religion other than Christianity is about stacking up points, doing religious things to get you into heaven. Christianity says... The standard is perfection. You can never do enough to earn your way to a perfect God. But he in his love, in in his justice, he demands perfection. In his love, he has done what you need to do. He has done it for you. And you need to trust him, and he gives you what he has done. All right? Now, some people may find that just too hard to believe. So here's where you should have either memorized or worn out in your Bible Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and 10. So if you have the opportunity, and now with your cell phones, you can turn to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and say, uh, you know, they're going to object. They're going to say, well, that sounds too easy. That can't be right. Religion's about do, and you show them Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, which says, for by grace. What's grace? A gift. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What this is saying is you have been saved, right, by faith, not works. Salvation 
It's by faith. Faith in what? And you explain the cross. That Jesus died in our place on the cross. Well, do works have nothing to do with this thing? Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, yeah. We believe in good works as a response to what Jesus has done for us, not as the cause of our salvation. All right? So that's the simple tool. Do versus done. Give them a verse. If they're interested, they'll ask more. They'll talk more. They'll say, what about this? What about that? But that, you in, you in a short amount of time have now presented the, the core essence of Christianity. Now, what I've discovered is that this is great for people who have a works mentality. There are other people who go, oh, yeah, I like that. I believe in Jesus. I'm in. And they don't really have any conviction of sin. Or they say, well, that's only for certain people. I have no uh, desire for this kind of thing because I'm not that bad. So the next tool would be the good person test. And this is the old Ray Comfort uh, approach where uh, in your conversation you ask a person, would you consider yourself a good person? And most people say, yeah, I'm pretty good. And you say, well, can I give you a little, little test to see how good you are? And you, you start going through some of the commandments. You say, have you ever lied? Well, yeah, everybody's lied. Well, what does that make you? And you go, rhymes with pants on fire, right? <laughs> oh, a liar, a liar, yeah. Okay, let me ask you another question. Have you ever stolen anything? I don't mean robbed a bank. I mean, you know, from work, when you're a kid, a candy bar. Oh, yeah, I've stolen something. What's that make you? Thief. How about this? Have you ever lusted? Yes. Jesus says, if you've lusted in your heart, that makes you an adulterer in your heart. So you're an adulterer. And, and you know what? It, it, people don't get defensive with this approach. They, 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 they get guilty, right? Uh, then you say, have you ever been angry with somebody without full justification? Yeah. Jesus says if you get angry without justification, you're a murderer. How about this one? Have you ever been dissatisfied with life or marriage or your kids? Have you ever just looked at somebody else's life and said, they got it easy? Yeah. Well, that's thou shall not covet. You're, you're, You're sitting around coveting other people's lot in life. So let me get this straight. You're a lying, thieving, adultering murderer. Right? Yeah, pretty much. But I'm a pretty good person. But do you realize, here's the standard. Jesus said, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So you will stand before God on judgment day and have to give an account for these sins. Should he send you to heaven or send you to hell? And if they're honest, they'll say he should send me to hell. What can I do? Now we talk about 
do done. He has done. He's lived a perfect life in your place. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. Believe in him. Right? So, so there's the do done tool. There's the good person test. Then there's, I call this the debit card. Uh, you could also call it the thief on the cross approach. Where um, if, if you can open your Bible or, or use your cell phone and, and tell the, the story that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, do you remember that there were, was a thief on a, on a cross on his right and on his left? And most people will say, yeah, I remember that Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Right? And then you tell them, that in the other Gospels, both in, in Matthew's Gospel, both of these thieves are, are cursing Jesus. These are vile people. And one of them even admits uh, he deserves what he's getting. But then, in the, the, the confusion of it all, he seems to come to believe in Jesus. He places his trust in Jesus, and he said... And you can quote just two verses. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Don't forget about me. I'm trusting you. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And I always like to point out, he didn't say, sorry buddy, you haven't done a good, enough good works. You haven't given enough. You haven't proven yourself. No. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. A few minutes ago, nailed to the cross, he was cursing Jesus. Now he believes in Jesus, and Jesus promises him eternal life. Showing that salvation is by faith alone, not by works. And I always like to draw three, and I am no artist, okay? But I draw three crosses, and I point out that here's what happens when a person trusts in Christ. Two things happen. One, that person's sin is transferred to the cross that Jesus is on where it's fully paid for. Then a second thing, Jesus' perfect life is transferred to the person. The great switch. That's what Christianity is. And I, I illustrate that with, this is my debit card. So I take out my, my debit card. You've heard this a million times. Feel free to use it. Okay, not my card. But, right. <laughs> I'm not giving you my pin. And you talk about this debit card has two accounts, my savings and my, my, my checking. And I can put that in the machine, and I can transfer funds. Okay? When you trust in Christ, let's say your, your account is all debt. That gets transferred to his account. And his account is billions and billions of dollars that gets transferred to your account. And in God's eyes, he sees you as perfect. Not because of you, but because by faith you're connected to Christ. The debit tool. Feel free to use it. Okay? Two more. All right? The, uh, the fourth one. The throne. <coughs> illustration. This is an old campus crusade, or now it's called Crew, all right? Um, crusade, they, the campus crusade is now worldwide. They found out that using the word crusade didn't work in Muslim countries real well, so they s switched it to Crew, okay? But 
Here, if you, if you have a napkin and you're sitting in a, in a restaurant, you're talking about the gospel, and, and uh, you get down to the heart of what is faith, draw two circles. Circle here, circle here. In this circle, you draw a little throne. This is a nice throne. It's got supports and an armrest and a place to put books underneath. I just draw doom, doom, all right? This is a picture of most people's lives. S is self. Self is on the throne. We're calling the shots. Self is calling the shots. Jesus is out here. So you just draw that. Then you draw this picture. Self is off the throne, and self has put Christ on the throne of your life, of your heart. Okay? And now Christ is calling the shots. You know what that is? That's a, that's a picture of repentance. It's turning from self and sin, turning to Christ as Lord and saying, you are now on the throne of my life. So, so then you draw these two pictures and you just ask, which one describes you? And if they're being honest, they'll say, this is me. Then here's the big question. Which one do you want? Now, um, some people, if they're honest, will say, I, I kind of like this. Thanks for, thanks for the coffee, but I'm here. Other people would say, no, I want this. I want Christ to be my Savior and my Lord. Help and pray to receive Christ. Okay? So uh, that's the throne illustration. Now, the last one, and here's where we get really fun, artsy and craftsy. So we've got the, the do done the good person test, the debit, thief on the cross tool, the, uh, the throne illustration. Now, the last one, we'll call it the airplane illustration. And here's where all you need is a piece of paper. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this. But uh, here's where, even though it's, it's artsy and craftsy and kind of clever, it really communicates the gospel well. So let's say you're sitting at a table with somebody and um, you have a piece of paper and you say, let me explain the gospel through a story. So you have a piece of paper and you, you tell about a, uh, a guy who goes on an airplane trip. He's just a regular guy. He's on his airplane trip to do business. So you're going to fold one Two folds and three folds, and now you have your little makeshift airplane. Okay? And then if you want wings, you can bend the wings down a little bit, like so. So uh, say let's let's make up a name for our, our guy. Rita, what's his name? Sam. Sam. Okay, so Sam, he's on the airplane and he's eating his peanuts. And suddenly they run into a flock of birds and the wings get ripped off of the airplane. And the plane goes tumbling to the ground, hits the ground, explodes. Sam's dead. And he finds himself standing before the throne of God. 
And God says, well, Sam, welcome to Judgment Day. Why should I let you into heaven? So here's where I need some tape. So if, I'm going to need eight little pieces of tape. So if you yeah, this is just a little bit, a little, little tiny piece, okay? Just, just one at a time here. I'll, I'll just, okay. So, so, so Sam starts uh, defending himself in his life, and he says, well, here's why you should let me into heaven. First of all, um, I go to church a lot, especially on Easter and Christmas, right? And then, um, very good. Not, not only that, I once actually gave some money to church. And, and not only that, <laughs> I don't swear a lot. I swear sometimes, but I'm kind of known as the clean mouth guy at, at work, right? And, uh, and not only that, but I should probably take a bunch of these like this here. Now, if you're sitting at a table, you don't need to tape them. You can just put them up there. But not only that, I help little old ladies across the street quite often. Okay. I pay my taxes, well, most of them. I volunteer with the the food pantry. Compared to most of the people at work, I'm squeaky clean. And I need one more piece. There it is. And I've 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 raised some pretty clean kids. So here's why you should let me into heaven because of my good life. And the Lord looks at him and he says, that's nice, but my standard is perfection. Here's what, what that life earns you. He says, well, wh- how's a guy get into heaven around here? It's just got to be by the grace of God. And the Lord says, yes, the way you get into heaven is not by your good works, but by what my son did on the cross. That's what you trust in. Not that. Okay. So you can, uh, I think I have that in your bulletin, don't I? Where you, you just make one, two, three folds, two tears, and you can do this in a restaurant. I've done it where the waitress comes over and the cook comes over and... Um, but these are simply tools. Now, can I, can I challenge you with something? If you just walk out and you don't practice this, it's going to do you no good. So can I challenge you that when you go home sometime this week, pull out your bulletin and practice these five things? The do done, the good person test, the the paper tear. Just take a few minutes and practice these tools. So when the opportunity presents itself 
and they go, what is it you believe? You don't freeze up and go, call Pastor Brian. You know, I'd be glad to come in. I like being the, you know, I, I feel sometimes like I'm the field goal kicker. You know, it's one second left. We're down by two points. Everybody else is sweaty and bloody, and the field goal kicker, he's sitting on the bench the whole game reading a comic book. And then, oh, you need to go in and kick a, a 30-yard field goal. Boom. They carry him off on the shoulder. He didn't do anything. Okay? But if you have these tools, and, and remember, these are just tools. These are not clever. Pat yourself on the They're just tools to communicate the essence of the gospel. And what did Paul say? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have um, entrusted and given us the privilege of sharing the gospel with others. Lord, I pray that even this week, with our eyes open, we would, would um, engage in conversations where we can sprinkle some salt and we can see if they're interested in spiritual things. And I pray that you would allow us all the privilege of being able to share the truth of your gospel and know the joy of leading people into a relationship with you. So Lord, use, uh, use these things for your glory and for the salvation of souls. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.